Luke Walton Talks Lakers is presented by Big Baller Brand. LeVar spoke Lonzo to the Lakers into existence, and now we're speaking this sponsorship into existence. Big Baller Brand, stay in your lane. Big Baller Brands is not affiliated with Luke Walton Talks Lakers, nor is Luke Theodore Walton, head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, to be conflated with Luke Francis Walton, co-host of the show and member of the band Fon. This is Luke Walton Talks Lakers. I'm Jonathan Gilley, and joining us, as always, from our studio in Los Angeles, it's Luke, Coach Walton. What up, Coach? How's it going, Jay Gill? Uh, it's, uh, it, I mean, it was just Christmas, so personally, I'm great. Uh, it's been a couple tough games, though, so could be doing a little better in the basketball sense of things. That is true. That is true. But, you know, it is Boxing Day, so there's reason to celebrate. Ah, of course. Isn't that a Canadian holiday, or am I making that up? No, it's a Canadian holiday, but I also believe Floyd Money uh, also celebrates it as well. (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us. Um, Want to appreciate all of our followers. Send out that appreciation. Send in. Send in all the love. Please subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you get your pods if you're not subscribing already. And be sure to share with your friends. And uh, we would love some some reviews and some, some love out on iTunes there. So if you could give us a comment, throw us some five stars, that would be much appreciated. And please follow us on social media as well. You can find all of our social media at www.LukeWaltonTalksLakers.com. Great. So, Luke, we're going to start off this episode with another little round of, of lightning in or out. So uh, I'm going to read a quick sentence or phrase, and uh, you're going to tell me uh, whether you're in or out. At the end, we can go back and, and touch on any of these. We want to talk about them for longer. Ready? I'm ready. Strapped in. Cool. First one, not calling plays for Kyle Kuzma. So out. God. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm, uh, I'm hard, out, hard out on this one as well. Ooh, right there. Jeez. Um, okay. Luke Walton, your namesake, uh, his subtle calling out of NBA refs after the Trailblazer game. In. It's about time. Yeah, definitely in for me as well. Uh, how about this one? Luke Walton expecting the team to win now as opposed to earlier in the season when he told them wins didn't matter. So out. That's so, so out. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to disagree on this one. I'm going to say in. Okay. Okay, saying saying that it was okay early on that he wasn't expecting the team to win. Oh no, I guess I'm more in on him expecting them to win now. Okay, yeah, I, I just oh, the part that I'm that I'm out about is just oh, so this is new news. Like this is a new development. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Okay, I guess so. I guess we we kind of agree then. Okay. <laughs> Okay, how about the jersey color selection this season? Man, honestly, so I'm out on Nike in general for these jerseys. I'm really, really pissed about specifically what they did to Lakers. Like, the gold is like this banana yellow. Uh, It just doesn't look right. I miss our Sunday whites. I remember those, like, really cool uh, Christmas jerseys. They had, like, that that, uh, uh, cursive lettering. Like the script script font. that That was one of my favorite jerseys. Just... I'm really disappointed by how Nike's handled this whole thing. They're clearly a bad quality. They rip. I've seen them in store. They're not the kind of thing that I want to drop like $300 on. So yeah, hard out on both the jerseys themselves and the color selection. I'm not not into it. I miss our yeah, Sunday whites. I'm, it's I'm, just like, it's all, it's all screwed up. Yeah, I, I, I miss the continuity of like yellow at home, purple on the road, 
whites on Sundays. Yeah, Sunday night is Lakers night, man. It was a beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, it was simple. And we class. And we threw in the black. We threw in the black for Hollywood right. nights, and that was fine. I'm in. I'm into some variation. I'm into alternates. Like that's all good. But yeah, get, give us give us something that you're alternating out of. You know, it, it, but that, that's classic Nike. You know, that's why that's why I'm such an organ hater. <laughs> Take a, damn, <laughs> take a damn jersey, man. <laughs> you sound 40 years older than you are right now. <laughs> Pick a color and stick with it. <laughs> well, I mean, I like the classics, man. I'm, I, I, like, that's one of the things I love about USC. It's like it's, it's stable. You, you know yeah. what you're getting. And I, I, I want to fight for those colors, you know? And if I don't even know what the colors are, how the hell am I fighting for it, Yeah, it's true. It was nice being able to always just like look at the jersey and know exactly whether they were playing at home or not and if it was sunday yeah and the biggest the biggest thing for me and if it's sunday the biggest thing for me though is the yellow it looks like banana i yeah it's a weird it's a weird color well and also like i don't know if you've noticed but like the the like um we're we're going way too long in this one but the the, um the the uh so much for lightning around in or out um it's okay we're passionate about this the uh the accessories I hate to be talking about basketball accessories, but like the sleeves, oh, the Supreme, um, like the sweatbands and stuff. <laughs> Hilarious! Um, I love the Supreme Jr. Smith Oubre. They always, oh yeah, yeah, the Supreme sleeve. They're so far in most cases they're matching the color of like the kit of like the jersey, which is which is weird. I don't like it. So it's like yellow yellow shirt, yellow shorts, yellow you know uh, knee sleeves or leggings, yellow socks, yellow shoes. I don't like it. And then Lonzo has his black shoes, which look goofy. But I liked it better when it was like, you know, yellow with white or purple with black, right? And like it wasn't right. so monochromatic. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of like a weird thing with style right now, though, is there's, there's like a lot of like you pick the one color and then you wear like just super hardcore that one color across your whole body. Yeah, and like the- Kelly Oubre is <laughs> like that's what he does. I think that guy's hilarious. He's totally the guy that's like licking his lips at the club, like, <laughs> like, like uh, smoothing out his eyebrows. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, but okay. So you're right about the the monochromatic thing and style in general right now. But like, people aren't picking banana yellow as their no no as their color for the day. I think that's I think that's what's throwing it off. Yeah, we need gold. And uh, gold. Uh, last one, last quick in or out. Uh, Luke Walton's lineup choices lately. Oh, so out. But I understand we got we got injuries messing it up, but he's got to manage minutes better. And we'll dig into this when we get specific into the games. But yeah, really bizarre lineups. And they've been costing us games, so totally out. Yeah. So are there any here that you want to go back and rehash before we move on? Yeah, I want to talk about not calling plays for coups. I kind of want to dig into all of these, but I think also we can get through that when we hit our roundup. So maybe we just take that in stride. Um, that jersey thing was so okay. funny because that, that literally that's been a geyser ready to like burst. <laughs> we've, we've been we've been subtly throwing some shade about the jerseys, but we haven't really been able to dig into it yet. And I'm glad we finally did because man, there's been some like rage demons growing inside of me about uh, Nike's handling of this whole jersey situation. I feel like it's it's like one of those you know straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing, where it's like you know when the season was starting and we saw some promise. We were excited to watch the young guys play. It's like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care about the jerseys. But now that we're having to watch lineups with Alex Caruso and Tyler Ennis 
It's like, <laughs> you know what, man? Like, if I can't even watch Lonzo, then they better look right. And if they don't look right, then I'm pissed. So, you know what I mean? It's like, right. yes. we, we finally got to that point. <laughs> In the case of superstars, yeah, I, I really am sometimes watching for the back of the jersey rather than the front. But the second, the second that Caruso or Ennis hits the floor, it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm a Lakers fan. Yeah. You know, I'm rooting for you because I'm a Lakers. You fan. know, f- funny quick thing. I was when I was watching the um, yeah. the Rockets Thunder game yesterday, scouting out our boy Paul George. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I don't know a single bench player for the Thunder. I like I I don't know who he's playing with. I like the entire game I was watching, and yeah. you know he'd be out there with bench units and. He'd like, you know, make a good, mm-hmm. make a good assist or he'd hit a shot or whatever. And, you know, he'd dap someone up and like, I'd, yeah. I'd turn to like the, the, my, uh, my wife's cousin who was sitting next to me and be like, do you, do you know who that was? He'd always be like, no, I have no idea who that is. Who is this team? So yeah, anyway, they, they've got some, they got some strange players. You're all right. that is to say like our random bizarre lineups are no more random or bizarre than Paul George's current team. So shouldn't cost us anything in the running for him. Oh, uh, real quick, I'm going to shoehorn in a segment here. It's going to be called Breaking News. Breaking news. So this is the first time. Dun, dun, dun. This is the first time that we've ever actually been able to kind of break a story. And it is the most like third hand account. But because we're all Lakers homers here, I feel like everyone is excited to hear this. So I was on... I mean, to me, this is a primary source. I think what you're about to say is primary, primary source reporting. Primary source reporting. We are about to drop a Woj bomb. Um, what should we call ours? A. Uh, uh, how, how, did I, how did I mispronounce your name? Loke Cooch bomb? <laughs> yeah. Loke bomb. Loke so, bomb. So I am on a... Uh, I'm a musician by trade, so I'm, I'm doing a, a gig for a music company, uh, shooting a commercial for them. And I'm hanging out with the crew because, you know, commercials are the most boring place to be in the world because you don't do anything and then you're like having to do everything in the world for two hours and then you have to sit around for another 10. Uh, But basically, I I spend that time just finding everybody that's a sports fan in the room and talking basketball with them. And uh, I was chatting with one of these guys and he's like, yeah, man, I I grew up in Palmdale. Um, I graduated a year before uh, Paul George. He went to my high school. Um, I'm buddies with him, and we go to the t- same top tattoo parlor, and we always hang out when he's in town. I'm like, oh, man, no way. So he's a big Lakers fan, and he said that he's sitting in the tattoo parlor uh, right next to Paul George. The tattoo artist comes in. They're good buddies. Uh, and ta- uh, Paul George is talking about where he wants to get his new ink. And the tattoo parlor, uh, the, the, the dude, the artist, is like, so, so Paul, PG, you coming? You coming to the Lakers? And Paul George did everything except say yes. He gave him the smile, he gave him the, the, the little wink, the little face touch. And my, my friend is like, it's, it's all but assured. The only thing that could stand in the way is the agent. But he's like, Paul George, he's seen it multiple times. Like, oh, this was before, um, this is before OKC happened. And then he also talked to him after OKC happened, same reaction. So. I'm feeling good Ooh. about Paul George, and that's like the closest I've gotten to an actual real story that I can break. But inside sources at the tattoo shop giving us, you know, not the tampering thumbs up, but like no. the slight nod. Paul the George's friend nod. from the tattoo parlor says it's happening. So it must be happening. There are less well-cited headlines on periodicals all across the internet right now. So I don't feel bad about this at all. We got to give the people what they want. 
it's true. That's what we're here to do. Um, when you first told me about this, when you were texting me about it, I was really hoping that it was going to be that he like, uh, I don't know if you remember, but LaDainian Tomlinson, the longtime charger on one calf has a charger logo and, uh, 2001, 2001 to I think nine was the year he was there. And then on the other calf, he has like jets and it's like mm -hmm. 2009 to, to whenever, I think it was 11 or 12, actually. I don't remember the years. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. I thought you were going to say something like, um, that Paul George was already having the years closed out on Oklahoma yeah. City and was adding was adding yeah. the Lakers, <laughs> but he was just like having it done somewhere secretly where you know his his teammates or like other prying eyes wouldn't see it. Could you imagine that scandal if it was like just under where the jersey lays? Oh, that would be like, like his, his jersey gets ripped and there's like a big Lakers logo. On his uh, but yeah, his, his Nike his Nike his Nike jersey rips off and he's got a Lakers jersey on a Lakers logo on his chest. <laughs> He sues Nike for for ruining his career. So ho hopefully we, I think we got that hometown sway for this for for Paul George specifically. I don't know if we're gonna get anybody else, but I, I'm feeling pretty good about Paul George. And the reports are that that LeBron is interested if if Paul is interested. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean we'll. See. I mean, Paul George has been linked to the Lakers literally his entire yeah. career. Yeah, and he's so, a player for it. More more than more than anyone, he he has been linked to the Lakers his entire career. So. Um, all right. So with that, let's, uh, after, after breaking that news, uh, let's go into a, a bit of a roundup here for these last two games since last pod. So Portland game and the trail, uh, Timberwolves game, excuse me. So, uh, Portland trailblazers. So Luke, a couple observations I want to get your thoughts on. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, the finisher, man, how do you feel about this? We talked this? about this in the last pod, which kind of blows my yeah. mind. But so we, our last pod was directly before um, the game against Portland, and we literally said, I hope Caldwell doesn't take the last shot. And for some reason, we are drawing up these plays for Caldwell, and, and Luke admitted it. He said at the, at the post game, like, yeah, the, that play was intended for Pope. Like, what? How? Why are, and he, uh, he was giving the reason that he's a veteran, that he's been in this situation before, he's hit a lot of game winners. And I, I'm going to question that kind of logic. He is a 24-year-old. He is dealing with the most stressful event of his life, literally coming to and from prison. And that's the man you put on the line to, to hit the game winner? I, I don't understand that. I think that we need to start calling plays for Kuzma. And I'd like to talk, th talk about that a little bit. Um, because... If, if there's somebody that we can count on to hit a spot-up three-pointer, if Kuzma's open, he's hitting that shot. And I don't understand. Why, why isn't right. Kuzma the guy that's shooting technical free throws? We saw that last night against the Timberwolves. He actually hit his technical free throws, which never has been ha Like, this whole, this whole season, we've been missing Tex, which is inexcusable. Yeah, I mean, he's a, his true shooting percentage is, is over 60% this year, and which is the highest on the why team. Why don't we utilize him? Like, we're, we're just putting him in motion, which is great, and obviously his game is suited to that. He can create his own shot. He's able to wrap around screens really quick, and he's got a really quick re release. All of those things are great, um, great aspects of our offense. But why don't we draw a place for him coming out of timeouts? Why don't we draw a place for him uh, to finish a game? Like, what, what makes Pope your, like, go-to guy at the end of the fourth quarter. I just, I just don't see it, man. It's frustrating. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm with you. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I think the quote that I read, I sent you earlier was something like, you know, Luke said, we aren't drawing up plays for coups, but he's still, 
you know, scoring 31 points in the flow of our offense. And that's how we want it. Um, I, you know, I guess I understand that, right? Like maybe because he's a young guy, like you want him to get a feel for the offense and not become reliant on, you know, getting his number called. And, and, and I, you know, I, I get that. Um, but I think there's a difference between, um, you know, not, not getting him in the habit of having his number called and never calling it. Right. Like that's like, especially in crunch time, like you said, when he is at this point, probably the best shooter on our team. Um, it just doesn't make sense. It, it seems like they still maybe aren't willing to acknowledge that, um, the 27th round, he pick. has the most polished offensive game. <laughs> the 27th round pick rookie is the best player on our team. And, and like, I, I, I when Ingram's out, you know, when Ingram's in, I, I think it's like kind of a toss up between the two, depending on the night. Uh, I think Ingram several nights. Yeah. I think the difference there, I think. Yeah, I think that Kuzma's game is way more polished than yeah. Ingram. Ingram's, like, still trying to figure out right. the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. But he just has these, like, incredible physical advantages. Yeah. Um, well, that that, incre- that that push him up above Kuz, like, at, at their highest yeah, levels. Yeah, and, and I think that it, it really comes down to, like, the situation. Like, Ingram is better at finishing over guys marginally. I mean, Kuzma's really good at it, too. Um, Ingram's getting better at putting guys on his hip and finishing at the rim. Um, Kuzma's good, but not quite at Ingram's level. But Kuzma's the better spot-up three-point shooter, for sure. And Kuzma's definitely got a more polished post-game. So between the two of them... He's also two years older. He's also two years older than Ingram. And, like, how many pounds heavier? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, Okay, so my next next observation from the Portland game uh, is that Jordan Clarkson is still bad at defense. Like, like we're, we're putting him out there in these lineups and I've ranted about it before. Like, it doesn't matter how many abs you have, Clarkson, if you can't stay in front of your, of, of the, of your, of your, your, your matchup, right? If you can't stay in front of the guy, if you can't rotate and it, it oh man, it's just getting really frustrating watching him, especially in these lineups that we're seeing, um, because he just is, he is a terrible perimeter defender. He's just not good. And to piggyback off that, I'm seeing the same thing with Randall on the perimeter. Yeah. I think Randall's yeah. developed as a really good interior defender, and he's, he's able to defend guys bigger than he should be able to, given his physical attributes. Yeah. But uh, in terms of peri- perimeter defense, I think that's the reason why Randall and Clarkson are both on the bench. I know like they put up good numbers, but a lot of their numbers come against inferior opponents, and it also softens the defensive blow when you're playing against guys that aren't as elite offensively. So having those guys in your second unit really kind of highlights their strengths, diminishes their weaknesses. And I think that's the reason why we see a lot of fans calling for like, you know, start Clarkson, start Randall. But if we start doing that, you're going to start to see their weaknesses really come out. And I think <laughs> I think that Timberwolves game is like kind of a good case in point. Yeah. The other thing is I think both of them excel offensively uh, when we're playing with pace and when we're in transition. Um and so if mm-hmm. they're not on the floor with three other plus defenders, uh, chances are like we're not going to get very many defensive stops, which means we're not going to be in transition very often. Yeah. And so putting them out there with with bad defenders also just kind of like it, 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 it affects their offensive game as well, because, you know, we've talked about Clarkson is a high usage player and he likes to go ISO and he's not very efficient when he does that. Um, you know, Randall's not very good at. at catching passes in half court sets under the basket for easy layups um no he's he's much better initiating the offense yeah uh, and 
And so both of them actually are better at, or at least they, they do that more often. I think Clarkson could be a much better off-ball player uh, if he just kind of changes his mentality. And we've bit. seen flashes of it, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I just think we have, we have. the two of them out there on the floor without, um, you know, uh, Nance or Kuzma or Ingram or Hart, like all those guys are are like solid defenders at this point. Mm-hmm. At least they're not defensive liabilities, you know. Um, but if if totally. if Clarkson and Randall are out on the floor without at least two of those guys, I just think we're we're almost like not setting them up to succeed either because we're not putting them in a position where their offenses are going to flourish. Right, and we're we're in a really tricky situation. This is really kind of highlighting some of Luke's coaching uh, growth or <laughs> lack thereof uh, because we got some injuries here, and this team is not particularly deep. Um, particularly when, when we're talking about most of our offensive players can't defend, most of our defensive players can't score. And <laughs> so it's, it's going to put a lot, it's going to put a lot of emphasis, particularly I think on Josh Hart, because he's got to play a lot of minutes and he's got to step up on the scoring end. And I, I, it's a little unfair because I think for his rookie year, he's blown away expectations, at least on my oh, end. Oh yeah. I don't think we expected to see any meaning. Loving his hustle. Yeah. I don't think we expected to see any meaningful minutes out of him this season really and he he's getting significant minutes he's starting these games uh, the other person i forgot to mention kcp obviously kcp is a plus defender um yes of course of so course. you you bring up the lineup question which i know we want to touch on so i want to point out a lineup from the portland game that was on the on the court kind of mid fourth quarter in a game that we were leading almost the entire game mm-hmm. we had alex caruso jordan clarkson Corey brewer uh, Julius Randle and Thomas Bryant out on the floor together. And mm-hmm. it wasn't just like for a minute while we were switching lineups. It was for like a multi-minute stretch. Mm-hmm. We had these dudes on the floor. Um, c- can you think of any explanation for why? Uh, like you, we can talk about injuries, but but can you think of any reason why this is the lineup that's out on the floor for the Lakers? It, it was really frustrating because I wanted to see Thomas Bryant enter the NBA for the first time in a situation where he could excel. And this was not that time, not that lineup. He's more of a motion center and that this lineup doesn't have a ton of motion in it. And, and like, he's like, obviously you're not going to light it up your first like four minutes in the league. And so no, he needs to come in at garbage time, get some confidence, get out there, feel like what it feels like to be under the lights. And, and, in the top of the fourth quarter against a tough opponent where we're keeping it close, is that really the time you want to activate your rookie? I mean, we, surely we had better options. I, I, I just don't get it, and it, I think it cost us the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Lonzo tweaked his shoulder in the fourth quarter of this game, so I'm assuming that's part of it. I know that Ingram obviously was out during this game, um, but it it just seems to me like with with... Uh, you know, obviously Clarkson's already out there, but with with KCP, with Nance, with Kuz, with Bogut, um, with all those guys available, right? Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. have a, I don't have a problem. I actually don't have a problem with the middle three. I don't have a problem with with Clarkson, Brewer, and Randall, right? Like, I, I think that that's a, that that's okay. It's the other it's the other pieces, right? It's putting l- literally like our D League, no, sorry, G League and summer league players out there with these guys, like you said, in a situation where, where we actually have a chance to win this game. Totally. Yeah, both of, both of those players have gotten the majority of their reps in the G League, and they've barely played any NBA time. 
and we're going to throw them in the fourth quarter. I, it's, why, why, why can't we just play? Like, we, our players are young. In that situation, why don't you pl- just play them a little bit more? You know, give them a few more minutes. Are, are, is four more right, minutes Hart really going to handle it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and have, you, have you ever seen Kuzma look tired? No. So <laughs> he can handle it too. I'm sure, Nance, I'm sure Nance would love the minutes. Yes. I know. It's so totally bizarre. I, I think that what they're trying to think is like Caruso can get some playmaking, get it into Randall or Clarkson. Brewer can provide some defense. Bryant can potentially provide a spark or space the floor because, you know, none of those guys are particularly elite three-point shooters, but bad idea. (laughs) Thumbs down for me. Yeah, this to me seems like a lineup that you run, like you said, either in garbage time or if you're, like, leading by, you know, 20 points with six minutes. I guess that's also garbage time. That's just the opposite of garbage time. It's like the inverse garbage time, right? But where you're like, let's let's try out this lineup, (laughs) you know? But the other thing is, to get into one of our inner out topics was this doesn't seem to sync with Luke's uh, new sense of wanting to win, right? The Luke said like at the beginning of the season, I told the guys wins don't matter. The season's about growth. It's about development. Uh, but having seen them play, now I see that they can win. And so now I'm expecting them to win. And it's like, but then why did you put this lineup out on the floor in this game, in this situation? I, I, I mean, Again, like there's a lot of things going on and, you know, maybe there's stuff that I'm sure there are things we don't know about. Uh, But I think this is a good time for us to transition to the Timberwolves game. Because I think what we saw in the Timberwolves game is that this is not just an isolated incident. This is now something that he has has done twice, right? So uh, at one point last night, we saw uh, Tyler Ennis, Alex Caruso, Corey Brewer, uh, Julius Randle, and Larry Nance out on the floor. Unbelievable. I guess, you know, good that you replaced Bryant with Nance, but bad that you replaced Clarkson with Ennis. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You, but it, but it's I, I, to, to his defense, I think that he would be saying that Clarkson was playing starters minutes. We needed another unit to break it up. Ennis did give us some quality minutes that game, but the Ennis Caruso you know, tandem guard thing, it seems like just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. yeah. And, and who's, who's going to shoot, who's going to shoot the open three in that lineup? Who's our best three point shooter in Ennis Caruso, Brewer, Randall Nance? Uh, uh, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is no answer. Rand- it isn't Randall? any of them. Brewer? That's a trick question. Yeah, basically Randall. Randall from the top of the key probably gives us the best. For whatever reason, Randall can hit the top of the key three-pointer. Yeah. I mean, this to me... <laughs> With that weird like, form Like a, Again, I, I know that we had Ball and Ingram out. I, I get that. Um, but it seems to me like in last night's game, uh, you have to have either KCP, Kuzma, or Clarkson on the floor at all Absolutely. times. Absolutely. And, and stagger, stagger right. those minutes. You, you, you have to. At least one of those guys. Right. And this is the same thing. This is like the same thing that Scotty Brooks struggled with when he was coaching the Thunder and, and uh, Billy Donovan struggled with for the one season when Durant was there was was they wouldn't cycle through uh, Westbrook and Durant correctly. Like there they were long stretches where neither of them would be on the floor. And it just didn't make sense. It was like, how, how like just stagger it a little bit. Right. Like. Let Durant go out and keep mm-hmm. keep Russ in for a few minutes, and then when you bring Russ out, bring Durant back. And maybe you have a few minutes where they're not on the floor together early in the game, but especially towards the end, 
Like one of those two guys has to be on the floor. And yeah. I think it's the same thing here. So in a game where Ball, Ingram, and uh, Lopez are all out, I think, like I said, KCP, Kuzer, Clarkson has to be on the floor, especially late in the game. Especially late in the game. Um, and we got to call some plays for Kuz. You know, the, yeah, the man yes. dropped 31. The last rookie to do so was LeBron James. On Christmas Day. Season. On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Yeah, 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 yeah on Christmas Day. And so, and, and we're seeing Kuz, he's stringing together all these 30-point games. What happens if we start calling some plays for the man? I know. Start getting him a couple double screens, run him off, hit to the corner, and wide open. What? I'm, like, it's kind of blowing my mind, and I want to see the guy drop 40. Even if this is a losing season, we don't make the playoffs, and it's really disappointing. If we can see Kuzma go off, score 40 a few times, and then get rookie of the year, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd at least be a redeeming you know, we'd be like, you know, we were summer league champions and Kuz got rookie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool. I think it's also something something I noticed, and this is a little bit um, cheating, but um, last night's starting lineup didn't include any starter from our season opener. Now, I know that Deng was in the starting lineup for the season opener, right. um, which is why <laughs> right. this is a little bit cheating. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, KCP was suspended for the reasons why he's in prison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jail. Jail. Um, but I still think it's insane to think about the fact that 20 games in, be, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? I think it just speaks to mm-hmm. the level of instability that we that we have had this season, right? And and some of it is for good yeah. reasons, right? Like Kuzma being good, mm-hmm. like Kuzma is a is an agent of chaos in this team because we did not expect Absolutely. him to be what he is, right? No, he he created this power forward logjam. And so now, now we have to pretty much play power forwards at the five position as often as possible. Yeah. And so, so like, pretty not bizarre. all the instability is bad instability, but it's instability nonetheless. And I, I, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I am, despite the, the, the two things we just talked about with lineups, why I'm still willing to, to totally be on board for, for Luke right now. Because in addition to teaching this team how to play mm-hmm. defense, um, he's dealt with a lot of instability in terms of this lineup. Um, yeah, and I think in generally, in general, he's handled it very well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And for the sake of the show, we got it. Right, right. We need him to <laughs> keep his job. Coach. <laughs> and I think I think he's an attractive coach for free agents too. Like he's a player's coach. Oh yeah. Like who who would you rather have, Tyrone Lue yeah. or Luke Wal- yeah. Walton? Like yeah. Oh, so so really really quick. I'm in Sacramento right now with uh with my my wife's family for the holidays for Christmas and. Um, I was watching some of the games last night with some of her family members who are all Kings fans. And uh, her, uh, her, her uncle, Dima, turned to me and he said, you know, I like the Lakers' new coach, but I just still can't, I just still can't say that because, you know, because I'm a Kings fan. Um, and then he turned to me and he said, have you, have you been to the, to the new Golden One Arena yet? And I said, yeah, I went to the first Laker game there last season. He said, oh, what'd you think of it? I was like, you know, it's great, but it really doesn't have the, the great Laker history that Arco Arena does. <laughs> yeah. Bro, oh, roasting Kings fans burn. on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so salty. You, do, you think we can, do you think we can trade Zubats to Vlade and uh, like get Buddy healed or something? <laughs> Probably. Too bad we can't convince. Too bad we can't convince him that Dang is from Eastern Europe somewhere. Trades with Vlade, I've heard, are all in person. He doesn't do phone calls. 
This is totally bizarre. But you have to go to Vlade and, like, have a very, I don't know, like, I'm assuming, like, some sort of, like, Eastern European uh, ritual. Like, kiss the, kiss the ring moment. Kiss the ring moment. And, uh, and talk about it in person. And so I, I think we need to get Magic and Vlade hanging out. Magic, turn on the ter- charm and make it seem like Zubats is the next big thing. And, uh, and, you know, fleece Vlade a little bit. Yeah, Magic needs to come up to Sacramento with a pack of camels and uh, just perfect. chill out smoking cigs with Vlade and see if we can get one of these trades pulled off. <laughs> um, so... You had you you wanted to say something about Charles Barkley uh, from last night's game. Yeah, yeah. So so you're you are our podcast resident uh, analyst, our analytics expert, uh, with, with quotations around all of that. Yeah, you have quotes around coach. Uh, you're our quote coach. Uh, yeah, I'm our quote, and you're our quote analyst. Yeah, there you go. So I want to talk to you about um, the bizarre situation we had. All of the TNT halftime guys doing the entire game, which was very strange because there were just way too many cooks. You know, everybody was chiming in and cross-talking. The crowd noise was too loud because there's so many microphones. So they're all yeah. picking up the crowd and feeding it. And, you know, like guys like Shaq, basically we'll talking like this. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't make that out over the crowd at all. I have right. no idea what Shaq was saying though, almost the entire game. Um, but Charles Barkley was ripping on analytics. Like, they, they literally were making fun of him. They'd be like, yo, Charles, talking about analytics again. And then he would go off about, again about analytics and how much he hates them. And how it's changed the league. And now all these big men are getting out of the box and shooting threes. And he's like, you shouldn't only have to shoot threes. Easy twos are, are always where it's at. Easy basketball. And that, to me, forgive me if I'm wrong. I want to just break down what analytics are for Charles Barkley real quick. Um, a high percentage shot close to the basket is the best shot in basketball. Am I wrong? Uh, like Giannis. The reason, the reason why Giannis is such a good player with such a high field goal percentage is he makes almost all of his shots within six feet of the basket. Yeah, the only difference is if you shoot at a, an exceptionally high rate from behind the, from behind the three-point line. If you hit at, uh, at better than a certain percentage, and I'm not going to try to remember exactly what it is, but if you shoot above a certain percentage from three... That becomes the most efficient shot, um, but for most players, not named Steph Curry and and a few others, like yeah, a a a ninety percent likelihood two is like still an extremely efficient shot. Yeah, and so I I don't understand what Barkley is going on about because it's it it basically what the what analytics are doing is devaluing the mid range long twos, like that's what it's really trying to discourage. Saying like those are inefficient shots, particularly if you're in double coverage, basically like Kobe ball. <laughs> and like the only person that was able to get around it was Kobe because he got so good at those kind of shots. But if you're right. if you're or, taking or Harden. long two or Harden. or Harden, yeah, yeah, but because he gets to the line. That, that that's another thing. It's like getting to the line also is effective from an analytic perspective because you're chipping in points at a at a higher rate and you're basically assuring yourself. It's like insurance. If you're getting fouled every time, you're gonna at least get one or two points every, every time the ball's in your hands. So yeah, just a quick rant about how Charles, Charles Barkley is an old man that doesn't really understand anything. And um, I'm also never going to forget him uh, getting pulled over by a police officer for a DUI, him turning to the police officer and saying, look at this woman, I gotta get home. She's about to give me a blowjob. <laughs> 
forgotten about that. <laughs> That's my. I can't believe that guy. And yeah, he can. He can do no wrong. He can do so no just, wrong. KCP's locked up. <laughs> Charles Barkley's just fine. Man. <laughs> yeah, Someone stop, should stop hating on analytics. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is like, um, rebounding is still really important within analytics, yeah. right? And so like, there is a trade-off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and um, obviously, if you're, I guess the difference is that if you're shooting from outside, generally speaking, more of the rebounds are collected from further outside. Um, and so if you have a lot of three-point shooters, it becomes less important to have a big man collecting rebounds underneath the basket because less of them fall there. Um, so again, like it all, it, you know, it, it's all um, affected by, by, by the other stats. But um, yeah, obviously like if it, no one in analytics is telling a big man who has a bad three-point shooting percentage and is a great rebounder, you need to be shooting threes. Yeah, and I also think that like no one is telling Andre, no one's telling Andre Drummond to go shoot threes. Right, and nobody and nobody's telling Andre Drummond not to shoot a, a close to the basket two. Like, oh, pass it, pass it out, try to get no. a three that's no. like contested. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So no. I think I think no. my point is Charles Barkley doesn't understand that analytics is varied and it isn't just one statistic. It seems like to Charles Barkley it's just three point shooting. Analytics says shoot threes every time. It's like sure if you're the Warriors maybe, but for everybody else it's definitely a blend. Yeah, I feel like maybe I feel like Barkley maybe fits into that JaVale McGee, Julius Randle camp we were talking about last week where you just can't give him too many minutes or he's going to do something stupid. Right. Um, but I mean that's what happens right. when you have eight or he might be pulling the yeah. Well, go ahead. He might be pulling the Meta World Peace and having a little bit of Hennessy before the game. <laughs> oh god. So I brought our test. No, at, at halftime. At, 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 at halftime, right? That half was halftime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, this is, what, this, is what, this is what happens when you have eight, you know, nationally televised games in a day. Like, they just, they don't have that much uh, on-air talent, right, to be able to call these games. So, and all of these leagues are tinkering with the idea of getting rid of play-by-play and just having color guys. Um, so they're trying to, like, give as much airtime to those types of things as they can. I just don't like when they just talk about whatever. Like I'm trying to watch the game here. <laughs> it feels like I've got noisy friends in the right, room. Right, right. I mean, the, well, the, the what's cool about that TNT crew is that like it's really unstructured and they just kind of have a free flowing conversation, mm-hmm. which is great for a post game yeah. show, not oh, exactly. in game exactly. commentary yeah. show. Um, all right. So with that, uh, we're gonna move to uh, another one of our segments we haven't done in a while uh, called Moneyball. So, Luke, uh, this is going to be a real quick one. Just want to check in on one thing. Last last time we kind of um, we talked about Deng briefly when we talked about blowing it up in trades, but then we, we put him away really quickly because we understood that, of course, we want to trade him, but it's really hard to do because no one wants to take his contract. I heard a report earlier this week that the Lakers are not willing to even give up a first-round pick packaged with Deng to get rid of his contract. I I would give up. Yeah. Which yeah, which seems a little a little crazy. I mean, I guess like I I don't know. I mean, I I just think that seems like a small price to pay to get rid of of the tens of millions of dollars that we're going to owe him. Uh and it seems like a worthy price for not having to stretch it. I don't know. Just just quickly, does this? It sounds like you and I agree that this it seems a little crazy. Yeah, it's, I think as long as it's not 2019, if it's like 
2021. You know, at some at some point period where where we expect our first round pick to be devalued, and some other team might not buy it and think like, oh no, they're still going to suck then. Like that, I I feel like if it's a little bit further out, if we're you know if we're assuming that we're going to get back up towards the you know 20 plus range, like if we're the you know 22nd. Uh, worst team right (laughs) put some protections on it yeah yeah and yeah ship it out why not man well this is the lakers we've had plenty we got plenty of picks we're not used to this yeah (laughs) like like, let's let's start angling for free agency yeah it seems like giving up a first round pick with like you know i don't know top five protection for 2021 like you said for dang is is totally a reasonable price to pay to get that contract off the books agreed agreed and maybe they'll get there maybe they'll get there we'll see Okay, so for our last segment of the day, Luke, hop on board, uh, raise your seat backs and tray tables, and make sure your seatbelt is fastened. Uh, we're taking a trip to Lonzo Island. So, Luke, this morning uh, there were reports uh, that Lonzo bought his parents a $350,000 Rolls Royce. Ooh. So the actual TMZ headline was, quote, Lonzo Ball bought a 350 Rolls Royce for Lavar and Mom. <laughs> mom. <laughs> let's let's uh, for the fans out there that don't don't know uh, Lonzo's mom's name. You want to roll through the family names and then uh, get to the nomenclature behind yes. Mom. Yes. So obviously we have you know the patriarch Lavar. We have the Laker Lonzo. Uh, we and then we have the middle brother. Uh, uh, Leangelo, uh, the youngest brother, uh, Lamelo, and then the mother, Tina. Tina, she's great too. Tina, Lavar, Lonzo, Lamelo, Leangelo, Tina. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Tina, friend, friend of the pod, Tina. I, I, I feel, I feel like her personality is probably so similar to Lonzo's, like really quiet and chill. And then she's just like, yeah, my husband's. Crazy. Yeah, let's Lavar do all the talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Luke, we did some quick math and this year Alonzo is going to make $6.2 million. So this $350,000 Rolls Royce, uh, comes out to 5.6% of his annual, uh, pre pre-tax income. Let's, let's remember that. Um, so, uh, that's a lot of money and you and I were talking and uh, we thought it'd be funny for us to come up with, uh, the type of car that we could buy our parents for 5.6% of our pre-tax income. Yes, yes. So, so, so let's, let, let's set the, let's set the, the stage. Uh, you're, you're like, come on out, mom and dad. Come on out. You pull them out the front door. You got their eyes closed, blindfolded. You got Mr. and Mrs. Gilly walking out to the, to the front yard and parked in the driveway with a big bow on it is? A 2006 Scion XB with 77,689 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, mom and dad. <laughs> and now I'm taking, I'm taking my mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Walton, also better known as Bill, <laughs> out to the front yard opening up the door mom and dad open up your eyes i spent 5.6 percent of my income on this i hope you guys enjoy your brand new 1996 toyota corolla with 166,000 miles on it 
<laughs> oh god, it'd be like good luck, good luck getting this out of the driveway. <laughs> right, right. My dad would take one look at it and say like, uh, "It is this is a, this is a joke." <laughs> like, is this... Oh god, I bet you like the whole interior is all cut up and. Uh. It's still got like the 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 Uber sticker right. left in exactly. it from exactly from its previous owner. Yeah. I know. Um, hey, while while we're on Lonzo Island, I do have one quick question for mm -hmm. you. Do you think Lonzo is tired of the Kuzma love, or he's growing tired of the Kuzma love? <laughs> that would be really funny if, if Kuzma, because Kuzma's been making fun of him, like like the whole the whole year, the whole year, been making fun of him. And yeah, a lot. Yeah. And recently, he's yeah. been getting like a little a more lot. bold, which I love because it's finally a post game that's like good. Like Kuzma makes fun of his post games being all PC and boring. He's like, "You guys like my, asking me questions better, right?" Yeah. Uh, but the the best though was was um, <laughs> they were asking about like what he was wearing, and Kuzma was like, "Hey, at least I got swag." Uh, Lonzo still dresses like he's in high school. <laughs> Kills me, cause he, cause, and then he, like, then they pulled up a picture of him walking in with his big baller shirt and his backpack. Oh no! And the dude looked like he was walking oh, to math no. class. It was so bad. I know. So Kuzma full on roasted yeah. the dude, and yeah, it's just I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have much insight into the psyche of Lonzo Ball. I can't. He's so guarded, man. I mean, he seems so layers. chill, and he seems so like team oriented that that I, yeah. I am inclined to say I don't think he cares. And then, mm -hmm. if anything, this just kind of takes the spotlight off him a little bit, which yeah. is which is good for him right now in his career. Which is a good thing, right? And it's his shooting percentages are up, so like maybe maybe there's a connection there. Like he's, he doesn't have quite the hype, and maybe he's able to like kind of get into his motion and kind of kind of chill out. Yeah, a bit. I just I heard a, 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 an interview after yesterday's game where um, I think it was Lakers Nation reporter reporter uh, Serena Winters, I think is her name. Uh -huh. She asked him, "Did you buy Kyle Kuzma a Christmas gift?" And he said, and he said no, and then you hear, and then you hear Josh Hart in the background go, "He bought me a Christmas gift." <laughs> and Lonzo was like, "Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't buy Kuz a gift. I did buy Josh Hart a gift. I guess, I guess maybe next year I'll have to think about Kuz." <laughs> so maybe it was just a coincidence, but there was part of me that was like, "Hmm, is this a little bit of uh, resentment brewing here?" Mm, I hope not. I hope not. They got yeah, that me connection. too. <laughs> I mean, me too. I really, yeah, I really hope not. But uh, I just, I think it'd be interesting to, to keep an eye on it because I think you know, for someone who comes in with so much hype, right? Especially if he, if Kuz gets like more rookie of the year votes or something like that, or if he gets like selected to like an all all rookie team and Lonzo doesn't, or mm -hmm. rookie sophomore game or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think those could be interesting things to to keep an eye on Lonzo's reaction for. That's true. That's true, and yeah, the, from from like his perspective, if, if Lonzo was a guy with like a really big head, it seeing you know the guy that was picked, like what uh, twenty five picks after you, getting all the hype, yeah, I, I would understand. I would understand, but I yeah, I think I think Lonzo's got more of a team perspective than that. I and like he's comfortable, he's making his money, he's doing his thing, and uh, he, he's always gonna get hype. Like Lonzo is part of just that twenty four seven media machine, so. Uh, sharing a little bit of that, especially because it means that his team is doing well. He's actually surrounded by another good player that he can actually pass to. You know, 
like, the, the guy needs good players around him in order to win. So I don't think he's going to complain about having another good player. No, I agree. And and also, I mean, you know, consider this: uh, if Guzma were to spend 5.6 percent of his income on a car for his parents, he would not be able to afford Rolls Royce. So, like you said, Lonzo is doing fine. Very true. He's getting recognized mm-hmm. monetarily. Yeah, Lonzo is in a good spot on his beautiful island that we are happy to join every every once in a while here. Even in winter, it's always summer on Lonzo Island. <laughs> so Kuzma Kuzma's got uh, got a, about an eighty thousand dollar budget to spend on his on his parents' car. So you know he can get him a nice Mercedes. But yeah, he can't quite. even buy him a Tesla with that. <laughs> no, can't buy a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to get a used used Model S. Dude, used Tesla is like such a weird future. Like fleets of used Teslas driving around. I'm all I'm all for it. That's that's what I'm holding out for. The next yeah, car is gonna be used Tesla. Beautiful. Well, upward and onward. Hopefully we can get a slice of the Lonzo Island windfall here. <laughs> yeah, man, I wanna be your friend. Buy me a buy me a Rolex watch like John Wall. I don't even need a Rolls. Honestly, I would be happy with the 2006 Scion XB with 77,000 miles. Lonzo, buy me one of those. <laughs> well, thank you to all of our followers. Thanks for joining us here. And please subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, many others. And please follow us on social media. Check us out at www.LukeWaltonTalksLakers.com. And to quote Bill Walton, also known as Father, Merry Christmas. And happy everything forever. No, you missed. You got it wrong. It's merry and happy everything Oh, I messed up. Forever. I messed up. Merry and happy everything forever. <laughs> it's, it's just, it was there too it weird. It, it kind of broke my brain. Bill Walton's just so <laughs> weird. Merry and happy everything forever. Yay. That sounds nice. All it's right. better than peace on earth. That's just like shoehorned in there. Everything. I mean, if you have a stocking as big as his, I don't know if you saw the picture, but if you had a stocking as big as his, uh, I think you would be wishing everyone in the world a merry and happy everything forever, too. <laughs> I, I literally mean stocking. He has a giant, like, big sock that they put presents in for him that was not meant to be innuendo. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get through one of these pods without saying something inappropriate, apparently. I, it's always at the end, too. It's <laughs> always at the end. It's a test to see if you'll cut it out or not. <laughs> the Easter egg. So far, you've passed all my tests. No, I never do. I never do. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care, everyone. Thanks for joining Peace. us. See you, John. <laughs>